Welcome to Mill Liberty, the voice of liberty for a new generation. Alright, Joe Walsh, Matt Kitty, John Sasso, welcome to Mill Liberty. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Hey, Caleb, I mean this. It's great to be with you. Thank you for the invite. This week, we are going to be going over the myths and realities that surround monopolies. Teddy Roosevelt hated, hated small government. The gateway into space will help alleviate a lot of this problem. It was a fateful era we took 100 years ago with this kind of monopolization of banking and centralization of money and credit. Automation, streamlined productivity, and cost-effectiveness. There's two big government parties, and one of them is, is red and one of them is blue. We are creating a community of liberty lovers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Mill Liberty Podcast. It is good to be back. Um, over the past couple of weeks, I was not able to make it. I was hoping to at least get one episode while I was gone, but unfortunately, that just didn't happen. Fortunately for myself, uh, I know quite a few people in the podcasting community and um, and people, especially in the libertarian podcasting community, uh, oftentimes are very quick and willing to help one another, and that was especially the case over these past few weeks. Brian Nichols, uh, from our, our one of our good friends over at the Brian Nichols Show, um, he filled in for me, and he had some great interviews. So I highly encourage you to go back and check both of those out. The last time we... Uh, we're discussing with each other or uh, talking with each other. Uh, I believe Congressman Justin Amash was our last guest. So I highly encourage and I highly suggest that you go back and check that interview out. Um, it was definitely a bucket list interview for myself. Uh, Congressman uh, Amash is one of the best, absolutely the best um, in, in Washington currently, which is kind of a low ball <laughs> to surpass uh, a, a low barrier of entry, um, but he's definitely one of them, and uh, I was very happy to have him on the show. I believe he was the first real um, politician that I've had on the show, which is quite astounding, first elected official, I should say, on the show, which is quite astounding considering we've, we've been going on for so long. Um, part of that is because I want to have not politicians speak to you, but people who are actual, um, they're, they, they're doing real things. They're not just trying to erode your liberties away, but they're trying to work within the marketplace. And I'm trying to show you how, uh, yes, you can affect real good change through um, the free market. Uh, for liberty. But fortunately, Justin Amash is not one of those who are constantly trying to erode your liberty away, so I was very happy and very pleased to have him on. This week, we are talking about the Second Amendment um, and a phenomenon that has been sweeping the country lately uh, with regard to sanctuary, uh, Second Amendment sanctuaries. Now, I find it kind of ironic, and, and I talk about this a little bit with our guests this week, uh, the types of people who are who are pushing this, 
um, because they're the the types of people who are pushing this are typically speaking very much against um, sanctuary cities with regards to immigration. Um, but I just think that uh, part of that has to do with with the hyperpartisan nature that we're in, uh, not not able to to sort of bridge the two. Um, but more importantly, I want to talk about uh, this in particular. Every time that we talk about gun rights on this program, every time we talk about the Second Amendment on this program, I try to take. I try to make it in a way that gives you a unique perspective um, that most people don't typically look at. They don't typically think of gun rights or the Second Amendment in, in, in this light. The way that your Second Amendment is going to be chipped away, the way that you're going to lose your gun rights, it's not going to be dramatic. It's not going to be in this big Hollywood production where it's where it's the second revolutionary war. I think that's what most people um, think that is going to happen. That's the way most people who who care about gun rights. They're, they they see this this view where the government is knocking down doors, taking away guns, and then they're the hero in the story where they have to stand their ground and say, no, you're not going to take my firearm. That's not the way it's happening. The way it typically happens is through other means, through things like red flag laws, through things like the war on drugs. All of these things are much more likely to strip away at your Second Amendment than an assault weapons ban. The likelihood of that happening is low. The likelihood of a red flag law happening or the likelihood that a cop is going to pull you over for something completely un unrelated, see that you have a firearm on you, and then throw you in the slammer for however long amount of a, of a, of a time frame um, just because you had that firearm. That's far more likely than like, house-to-house -house raids and we have to look at it in that way because if all we're thinking about is this big dramatic production when the little things like that happen the little chips at your second amendment rights happen most people ignore them most people overlook them and you can't do that because before you know it it's going to be gone the entire time you are protesting, storming the grounds of, of state capitals, protesting for your Second Amendment rights. It's good. Don't stop. Don't stop doing that. But at the same time, understand that governments, they're not going to be as obvious as that all the time. It's going to be a lot more of a slow, slow and steady chipping away of your Second Amendment rights than it will be this big dramatic production like it is a movie or something. So that's something that I really wanted to have you take away with on this uh, on this episode of the program. And to help me do that, I have once again uh, brought on easily one of the best in, in the business when it comes to uh, Second Amendment rights and defending firearm uh, civil liberties. Uh, your gun rights are 
your civil liberties. Uh, a lot of people overlook that and, and think they're two separate things when they are, in fact, one and the same. And that's why I am bringing on uh, Matthew LaRossiere. Now, Matthew has been on the program several times before, I believe two or three times actually before. Um, I always try to bring him on anytime something like this happens, and it always makes for a really good interview. Um, he is with the Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, again, one of the best in the business. So please be sure to check him out and be sure to check them out uh, on Twitter, on YouTube. And he uh, gives a little bit of a plug at the end for, for all the ways that you can find that. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Matthew LaRossiere on Second Amendment Sanctuaries Sweeping the Nation. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, likewise. So uh, there's been quite a few things that's been uh, gripping the national spotlight as of late um, over the past couple of weeks specifically, uh, and most of it's been happening in Virginia and a little bit in Kentucky too, and I wanted to bring you on to discuss some of those things. So let's break down what exactly uh, has been going on in Virginia with regard to um, Second Amendment sanctuaries. This, To me, this sounds... Um, somewhat similar to, <laughs> ironically so, somewhat similar to uh, sanctuary cities. Um, rather, uh, instead of about immigrants, it's about uh, gun rights. Um, so essentially, you know, what are they and, and why are people in Virginia uh, so adamant about them currently? Well, I'd like to first ask why you think it's ironic, the uh, the similarity there. Well, it's a little ironic just because of most of the people who are, who are uh, <laughs> trying to tout them a little bit, because uh, usually the same people are who are for Second Amendment sanctuaries are, are typically against sanctuary cities. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure about that. I don't think that the two positions are incompatible at all. Uh, in fact, I think they, they flow directly one from the other. Um, I, th I think it's a problem that kind of the political mainstream have like, uh, like the mainstream right, uh, mm -hmm. kind of co-opted gun rights when it's really not, I mean, it's something that should go across party lines, right? It's a, it's right. a basic human right. So I think, and honestly, if you take any anti-gun argument and replace the word gun with, you know, illegal, and uh, vice versa, you find that they they make the same logical fallacies. So I think that um, pro-immigrant policies uh, and pro-gun policies work well hand in hand. And uh, so so I don't think it's ironic. I think it's telling, uh, and I, I think that we should kind of embrace that more. Right. Yeah. That's that may be a better uh, a better way to describe that. I, I just think it's interesting. Um, <laughs> with with the types of people and, and I think it right. sort of uh, shows the the hyper partisanship uh, yeah. that so many people uh, are in, engulfed into because at the end of the day to me both issues seem to be uh, a basic issue about um, the uh, localism um, nullification uh, the ability for people to use the power that they have in in local governments and state governments right. to to say no, we're not going to abide by the the laws that the the restrictions that you set forth in front of us, and I think both are equally valid, despite um, one happens to be a little bit more favorable on the left, one happens to be a little bit more favorable on the right. 
Yeah, and uh, it's it's always fun when when you point out those, you know, the, where the lines cross there, uh, because it, it kind of boils the partisan brain. Uh, it's always fun to do. Right, right. Uh, but but yeah, so you know, you're asking about the Second Amendment sanctuaries, and it's 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 like what you're saying. It's not so much. Well, there's kind of a lot to unpack in the concept of a sanctuary because I'll say this right off the bat. I think the way most of these counties and cities are doing it is is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's not that they're wrong-headed or wrong-hearted, but I don't think it actually protects people that much. So, what a sanctuary resolution says is, all right, you know, state or federal government, I don't agree with this type of policy, so I'm not going to enforce it. If you want to enforce your policy here, you got to come do it yourself, right? And we're not going to help you. So uh, that's what it stands for. And uh, that's, you know, I think that's good. If you want nothing to do with a policy, why, you know, the washing your hands of it is a great idea. That said, most of these states, or not most of these states, most of these um, counties, you know, counties, jurisdictions, they, their sanctuary resolution is completely toothless. It's just like, uh, you know, oh, we, you know, it basically recites the Second Amendment again and and says no law, you know, against such should be enforced here. Well, okay. Uh, number one, what's the definition? You know, number two, what happens when you do, right? Right. Like, uh, you know, you see, I see a lot of cops that say, well, I would never enforce anything like that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, well, what if it's, uh, what if it's, you know, what if you've caught, you know, whatever you know that that person doesn't like? What if you caught somebody, you know, he's a drug dealer, you know, whatever they don't like, right? Yep, yep, or, yep. And, uh, and he's just got a, you know, a short barrel rifle in the back. Would you get him for that? He's like, oh, yeah, you got to get him on something. So, so let's say, let's say that situation happens and they do it. What's his consequence? In most of these counties, it's nothing. All right. So that's why I really think and what I really push for is that if you are going to make a sanctuary uh, resolution, that's awesome. But set it so that there is a cause of action against, you know, the the department or whatever when they break the resolution. Right. And it doesn't have to be that much, you know, like 25 grand or something instant 25 grand if you prove a violation of this provision. And that's going to give you some peace of mind, right? That's going to give you some security that your local government isn't going to just do it anyway, right? Because guess what? We don't if, – if all it does is recite the Second Amendment, well, we already have that, right? We have the Second <laughs> Amendment. It's supposed to bind the hands of all these governments. And, well, look what's happening. So. Right. You know, need to have something a little bit toothier, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, uh, something that my the the area that I grew up in, um, the the county there, uh, they passed something similar to what Virginia has been passing and what uh, Kentucky has has been passing as well. And and you're exactly right. It's very it's just completely toothless. I believe the exact language that was used was like yada, 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 you know, gun rights, Second Amendment, and then it said something about this is, like, non-binding or, or something to that effect. And yeah. I just thought, like, well, what's the point? Right. Well, <laughs> but then it, it's if, also damaging, right? Yeah, because yeah. Like, if, if, go if you're going to... <laughs> If you're going to do this, at least you know put some teeth behind it. Don't just make it like a, a a dog and pony show. This might shock you, uh, 
the government doesn't like being held accountable. Yeah, right. Even when know, they agree with you today. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, just because they agree with you today doesn't mean that they want you to be able to say, hey, uh, remember when we agreed to this? Uh, so that's that's a problem, right? There, And, and here's the other th- issue that I see. When you – when your county poses a gutless sanctuary resolution – what are they going to say when you ask them for more? They're going to be like, oh, no, look, we already did it. See, we're a, second, we're a proud Second Amendment sanctuary. Yeah. And then I'll tell you what they're going to say when you're like, hey, how come you've been, you know, having people put up these signs or, you know, do whatever that clearly violate violation of the Second Amendment? They'd be like, oh, well, but that doesn't violate the Second Amendment. You know, that's just a normal <laughs> restriction, normal regulation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's exactly where that's going to go. So, in my opinion, not only do you have to have consequences, you have to have a definition of what violates it. So, to me, the best way to do that would say any law respecting the simple possession of a firearm or of any weapon, right? So, not like you know using it in a crime or you know whatever like that, but simple possession. Any law that says you know you're a felon if you have this in your hands. Mm-hmm. Th- that's easy to say we're not going to enforce that. And it's easy to not enforce because guess what? You just tell all, all of your your cops, hey, anything respecting just like having a weapon in possession, right? Don't do that or you're fired because we're going to have to pay 25 grand, right? Uh, <laughs> and it's done. It's over. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that um, it, there's uh, – it, this is the the issue and the the inherent struggle with um, democratic systems as a whole. I think is that a lot of times the people in power in a position of power will do things just to appease uh, the masses. Sometimes that works out favorably, but you can never rely on that. Um, so you it's can the never politics of doing nothing. That's yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, have you seen any? county uh or just any situation um since this really got started since this really got going um that you can point to and say this is a a a good example of someone who's doing it right or have virtually all of them just kind of been like um toothless virtually all of them have been toothless i've seen a couple that tried so and i and you know don't quote me on this, and I'm sure people are going to quote me on this. Tell me how stupid I am because I got it wrong, but whatever. Uh, I know that there is some stuff going on in Kansas, one of those middle states. Well, yeah, I know that's 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 the uh, that's the big struggle is trying to figure out right. where Kansas is currently. <laughs> where is it today? Right. Yeah, um, they did did an awesome law, but they overdid it. And they um, and they directly nullified federal law, and you just can't. You're just not allowed to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they took an a extra step, and I wrote about it after it happened. Um, it was, and I haven't seen whether you know they fixed it or not. But you can't like straight up. Si- so theirs was so severe that it was like, if a federal agent is here enforcing federal law, then they'll be liable. Um, and it's like, you're just inviting, right. You're just inviting the court to slap the whole thing down. Yeah. But, but you know, it would actually be pretty damn effective if you, you know, just set it to your own, um, officials. Right. So like that, that's what I think they, they should do is just 
say all of our people that we have control over, uh, you are in tremendous peril <laughs> if you <laughs> enforce these laws, right? And I mean, that that might sound extreme, but hey, we're the ones at peril of having to follow it, right? We're, we're under threat of bayonet and gun and flashbang grenade or whatever at all times. So I don't think it's that extreme to just say, if you don't do this, you have to pay some money, right? Yeah, and I, I think the a point that you brought up earlier is is a really good one that it, a lot of because um, what was it the there was like a, a group of sheriffs or something during the Second Amendment rally in Virginia holding up a sign that says we'll abide by our oath or you know something to that effect, um, and it's just it's very telling because like well are you going to do this with like a drug case or are you going to do this uh with fill in the blank anything that could be potentially tied back to uh the second amendment because those right. are the real like yeah it's it's easy to get fired up about like we're not gonna have people come and knock on our doors and demand our guns that's one thing you know i get that but really, the way that people are going to take away people's Second Amendment rights, it's not going to be that dramatic. It's usually right. through things like red flag laws. It's usually through things like drug busts. Uh, the drug war is such a big gateway mm -hmm. into eroding Second Amendment rights that most yep. people just completely ignore that fact. Um, and I don't see too many. I don't see too many cops saying uh, saying that they're going to ignore. Um, fill in the blank law if it violates the second amendment if it has to do with like a drug crime right well or just see here's the thing what you're talking about is ideological consistency right <laughs> so where you follow you know and and you have a certain set of principles and you follow them uh most people don't care about, about that <laughs> so like that's and, and it's it's hard because you know it's it's hard to understand what makes them tick but I like that you mentioned oath breaking because that is something that's really important. So I'm I'm a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. I had to swear an oath to uphold the Constitution, right? That should mean something. And uh, and so like in our whole criminal justice system, we have it is designed. The the reason they take that oath, it isn't just like it's not a picture, it's not like a Kodak moment, right? It's it, there's a, a reason for it. It's because there are all of these points that you interact with in the justice system. So first off, you've got so this is a this is a theoretical I like to ask people. All right. So in the line, and I'm gonna simplify this, right? In the line of your um of your criminal prosecution, you've got the cop, the booking, right? agent, the booking officer, mm -hmm. the charging prosecutor, the trial court judge, the circuit court judge, and then Supreme Court judge. They skipped to that. Who is the first person on that line that has a duty not to give effect to a law they know is unconstitutional? What would you say? Uh, probably the cop. Yes, yeah. because guess what? Everybody in that line swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. Right. So if you believe that the law is unconstitutional, or even if you read back um, deep into this country's history, it's not only laws that are unconstitutional, but if you believe that a law is not moral, mm -hmm. you're supposed to you're supposed to nullify it. Right. Um, and and this has been forgotten. That's that's important. And I I ask that of people, and I. 
I really don't understand. So I always try to, I, I always assume that the people I'm debating with, right, that they have good intentions, right, that their hearts are pure. But one thing that's a stumbling block for me is when I talk to the lawyers on the other side, <laughs> I like, I'm just like, you're an oath breaker. Like, why did you, <laughs> you lied. <laughs> you know? Like, you know what you're doing is against the law. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. You literally want to ban guns in common use. Why did you lie, right? Like, I can't yeah. get over that. And that's something we need to, like, we need to hold our police officers accountable. We need to hold prosecutors accountable, judges, everybody needs to be held accountable. And, and like, what public opinion is really drives this narrative. You need to be openly saying, hey, why did you lie when you swore to uphold the Constitution? Why, like, you know, why did you do that? Right. And, and that sort of leads into several criminal justice issues as a whole. Um, the fact that it's so much easier to, to accidentally put an innocent person to death than it is to, like, uh, slam someone for prosecutorial misconduct. Right. Um, that's concerning. That's not, that's not the way that the justice system should be centered around at all. Uh, yet it, it, happens to be the case uh, so many so many times yeah no i've done so like i've the defended in criminal actions and it is so i spent most of my life you know in the academic world and you know and now it's at firearms policy coalition i do a little more direct involvement but the first time i was actually defending a human being in a courthouse i couldn't believe right all this stuff i learned all of these theories that I knew about, about their rights and, you know, and how, and the processes that are supposed to be followed, they don't care. Mm -hmm. they, they just don't care. Like mm -hmm. uh, there have been multiple times I was like, Hey, uh, I'm entitled to this evidence. Can I have it please? And they're just like, no, <laughs> like, do something about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just how it goes every day. It, it's, you know, we need a lot of sunlight on all of these things. Yeah, I, I think I think part of that has to do with, um, I so, like so many other issues, it, it comes back to just how um, hyperpartisan we are. That you can't separate, say, holding police officers accountable with saying, "Oh, you just hate the cops," then, uh, right. or you know, just just trying to have some some form of accountability. Like if you if you try to advocate for that whatsoever, then automatically. Um, it goes to the complete other extreme, which it really shouldn't be. Um, just to say that, you know, police officers usually have more discretion than what they lead on. And, right. and oh, to yeah. say that they should maybe use that a little bit more and not just like hide behind the letter of the law when it's convenient. That shouldn't be controversial, yet so oftentimes it is. Oh my God, that reminds me of this so uh, there was a uh, – I, I, I look at a lot of like police Facebook pages because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, with, uh, uh, with When they're posing in front of uh... – Oh, my God. That, that – I find that so bizarre. But so this time they, there was a guy in Florida and they basically they, – they had him posing in front of, the, of his car, you know, like a trophy hunt photo, right? Super yeah. barbaric and just disgusting. But – they they explained what happened and it was like oh this guy was speeding and he had a rifle in his back seat and it he wasn't going hunting so we arrested him and it's like that's actually not illegal in Florida uh, and a bunch of people said you guys realize that that's not illegal 
And uh, so they made they made another post saying, no, in no way were his rights violated when we arrested him for simply having a rifle because uh, he wasn't going hunting. And that's the only exception. So it's like, one, no, again, you're wrong. And two, do you actually think that, like, if that's the law, right, th- that's, oh, we didn't violate your rights because, look, look, it's the law, right? Right. Like, let's go back to, um, like, let's not forget Dred Scott was the law <laughs> for, for a long time. Yeah. That still violates human right. You know, that's not, that's, yeah. And you know what it is? This whole problem we're talking about where, you know, you can't criticize the police without being told that you're a a cop hater, you know, whatever, or un-American. It's intersectionality. Mm -hmm. Intersectionality, you know, a lot of people, libertarian and right-wingers like to talk bad about intersectional leftists because it's insane. But intersectional uh, conservatives and intersectional right-wing people exist as well. It is the same thing to, to, to say like, oh, well, I need gun rights, hashtag back the blue, right? That's, that's, <laughs> you're, you're, it's broken. Yeah. You, know, you, you have to accept that you cannot rectify these things. And when you cannot rectify them, you need to see a need for change. Having a, having a back the blue flag on your, on, uh, on the back of your truck, um, right beside like a don't tread on the flag, flag yeah. or, or, or yeah. a come and take it flag or something yeah, like it's that. Like, like, I think they will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, sure. you know, I, I think it's, it's not going to be like federal officers or, or something like that. That's going to come and take it. It's usually going to be yeah. the local police in that Who case. Who do they think? Who yeah. do they think that like a lot of the, you know, and a lot of, um, I think it's going to be like a government agency, like the, well, they think it's going to be like Russia like or yeah. Al-Qaeda. <laughs> yeah. Like, or yeah. something like that's their fantasy that Russia or, or like the Chinese, or Al Qaeda or whoever this week uh, are gonna just come and take your guns. Uh, sorry, man. There's like 12 people in line before Russia in terms <laughs> yeah. of taking your guns. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be the terrorist. It's not gonna yeah. be the Russian. It's it, there's there's a lot more people in front of that um, that will get to it before them. Yeah. Um, so so. Looking back at the um, looking back at the the couple of rallies that uh, we recently had in both Richmond uh, and Frank or uh, is that is that correct? I believe it was Frankfurt, uh, Kentucky. Um, do you see that those were effective uh, at all um, in the way that they they transpired? Obviously, there were a lot of people there at, at both of them. I think a little bit more in Richmond. Um, but do you think that they, that it actually held any weight at at the end of the day? Oh man, you're asking me the hard hitters, huh? (laughs) Um, so here's the thing. I'm so glad that, that Richmond went the way it did, that everyone was okay, except for the one woman who dared to cover her face. Um, you know, she was punished to the full extent of the arbitrary law. Uh, everybody there was friendly you know they were they were cool it was a it was a a good showing and it i think if you look at it critically and you're a person on the opposing side it shows that some of these people aren't like crazy they're not mean you know they're they're normal people uh on the other hand it'll stand to time to see whether like the fact that nothing happened that's the best outcome right nothing bad happened right. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the Charlottesville 2.0 that they were right, trying to make yeah, it out to be. Just yeah. so weird. Um, but it'll stand to time whether the opposing side can 
use like message it as some instrument of terror right right um i don't know if you saw there were like reports that there were like urinalists like putting shell casings on the ground and taking pictures of them yeah uh, Yeah. like trying to make stuff up but uh we'll see you know like we can't know for right now for right now everyone's been quiet about it but i i couldn't envision right them showing like some select photos that are just angled exactly right to make it look scary um, so like, that's the one possibility. The other possibility is that, um, maybe people will, you know, maybe the, the powers that be will be like, oh, this is like not a, uh, it's, it's not just a few people, right? This is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, so if anything, I think it might slow down the, uh, the, the, the rush on, uh, the gun control side. It may, but that, that may be just as bad, right? If they slow down and they they start going more like slice for slice, right? Because uh, the, the assault weapon ban is all effectively dead, you know, in Virginia. It's twitching, yeah. uh, and it's it, it might be back next, you know, next session. But could that have been a, a result? Could that have been, you know, inspired? I don't know, uh, and yeah. we can't know. We won't really know for probably like two years. But um, yeah, it's 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 really complicated. I'm just glad that people nowadays because back in the 80s when there was a lot of really anti-gun stuff being passed people just didn't they didn't go out in force like this you know and that's refreshing like we're not going to just this at least tells me that we're not going to just sit there and let uh and just sit idly right well right something big happens uh but but as for the ultimate effects i i don't know yeah i i think the the point that you brought up about taking it just slice by slice, piece by piece at a time. Um, I I think that's probably the most concerning outcome. Uh, And it's usually the one that happens the most. Whenever an an assault weapons ban or something like that gets proposed, very rarely does it ever actually happen nowadays. Because everyone gets mobilized, everyone comes together, rallies, and and just makes it very clear that they're not happy with that. Right. Um, But it's far easier to say, well, we're just going to implement this like red flag law. And it's very specific to a very certain type of person. Mm -hmm. uh, And then that just ends up getting abused. And that's how second amendment rights typically get, get violated much more often than this, just this big dramatic, like everyone thinks that it's going to end up like this movie, you know, theater production. Uh, And that's not the way it's happening. It's, it's piece by piece, chip by chip, slowly over time um while people are worried about other things that it that it you know what i'm most worried about what's that 18 to 21 bands oh yes 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 i don't know if i told you about this that is gonna have a effect down the line right and so like that's that is what i'm most concerned about like in my home country of florida they they passed that they passed an 18 to 21 ban on on purchasing yeah. I don't know if I would be here if on the literal day of my 18th birthday, you know, I went from Palm Beach State College to the gun shop around the corner and bought a made in Florida M1 carbine because I was 18 and now I could do it, right? Um, that was before that I had the time to, you know, stew in a uh, in the ideologically, you know, 
uh, set college environment. You know, I I think that people just forcing people to wait until they're 21 to get into gun ownership. Uh, I think it could have a, a huge impact down the line. That's what I'm most concerned about moving forward. That's on the table in Virginia. Um, and it's, it, it, that could, you know, two generations from now, just like destroy the whole culture. Yeah, that, uh, I, 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 I definitely agree with that. Um, the 18 to 21, like just banning everything for that, for that group of people is bizarre to me. I have no idea why it's catching fire so much right now, whether you're talking about firearms or tobacco or, or vapes or whatever it may be. It's, I, I have no idea why it's, it's being so popular right now, but it is, and it's, it's very concerning. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would definitely agree. That's, that's definitely a, a big one to, to look out for. Um, Matthew, uh, we're, we're starting to run out of time here. It really was a, a fast interview or at least a, a quick pace one. Um, but, uh, I, I know you wanted to be able to, uh, go ahead and, and plug um, something that your organization has been working on. Um, so why don't we take the time now to, to do that? Uh, thanks, Caleb. Well, be- I have to keep track of a lot of these uh, goings-on in the gun rights world. And so because of that, FPC puts together every week a roundup of all of the news of everything affecting your right to keep and bear arms. And so for a written version, you can go to firearmspolicy.org and click on News. Uh, but we also make a weekly video where it's all condensed into, you know, five to seven minutes every week. Just a quick rundown of everything that happened. If you're interested in gun rights, um, and as you should be, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> right. welcome you to check it out. Firearmspolicy.org. All right. Well, um, Matthew, I I really appreciate uh, you coming on and and taking the time to join me this week. I think uh, this is definitely a a really important topic and, and, you know, the work that you do and the work that Firearms Policy uh, Coalition does is is incredibly important and, and you're definitely one of the best in the business when it comes to Second Amendment rights. So thanks again for for joining us and we'll have to have you on again soon. I appreciate the flattery. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> no problem. And that'll do it for us for this week's edition of the Liberty Podcast. I want to thank Matthew for joining us on the program. I really do mean it. I do think he is one of the best in the business in regards to this topic in particular. So I always want to make sure that I bring him on for uh, issues as important as this. Be sure to check us out on Patreon if you haven't done so already. Uh, you can join us for as little as $5 a month, and uh, it's all going to help grow this experience and help grow this program, so please consider that if you are willing and able to. Also, you can check us out on iTunes, give us a subscribe, a rating, a review for the Mo Liberty podcast, and we sure would appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter, follow the show at Mill Liberty on Twitter, and follow the organization at Mill Liberty Org, uh, so that way you'll never miss an episode or an update. And until next week, we'll see you.